The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? How has your week been? I'm doing really good, John. It's been a good week. Um, Mardi Gras is about to get into full force. So uh, looking forward to that. How are you? I am good, still kind of getting over the whole COVID thing, feeling a whole lot better than I was, but I was telling you before we got started, I still have this weird like brain fog thing, but other than that, doing good. This is episode number 40. Can you believe that? 40, four zero? Four zero. That's crazy. I feel like we just like started. Yeah, and that's not counting the short on time episodes, and that's episode 18 that's coming out this week. So we've done almost 60 of these so far, which is kind of crazy to think about. That's wild. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, and looking up murders (laughs) really flies. (laughs) Attending murder court every Wednesday. Murder court, which we do have murder court t-shirts now. So if anybody's interested, reach out, let us know. They don't say check the locks anywhere. It just says murder court across the chest, so. I feel like I need to get that like uh, copyrighted, trademarked, trademarked. Put a little TM next to it. Murder court. I know you're excited for Mardi Gras. It's a big thing you do every year. What are your plans? I mean, just go to as many parades as I can, you know, catch a lot of beads. No, don't catch a lot of beads. Catch <laughs> a lot of cups. The cups are my thing. The doubloons are my thing. And really the bands. I have a good time like dancing with the bands. I was going to say, how are you catching those beads? Sis? <laughs> so. I hate beads. 
I don't even know why I said catching the beads. I let don't let people bring them into my home. Like, oh, really? You can take the cute ones. Oh, yeah. You get so many. Leave them for someone else. Well, I'm sure it's a really exciting time. We'll have to come down one year for Mardi Gras. My birthday is this week. It's on the 16th. So, you know, maybe next year or something we can come down, do birthday. Then Kara's oh, yeah. birthday is three days after mine. So we could do birthday Mardi Gras style because we've never been. Oh, my gosh. That would be like, how old are you going to be this year? We don't have to talk about it. I'm I was be- <laughs> thinking like your big four zero for our 40th episode. We, you could do Mardi Gras. No, I'll be 38. So yeah, I know you still had some time, but you can come next year. Just come next year. No. Just plan on it. Tell everybody I'm 40. I look like it anyway. <laughs> so. He's 72. Well, I'm super excited that you're excited. Hope you have a great time with the bands and I'm sure you'll have some crazy stories as we go through the next couple of weeks. But this week is my week and I have to tell you, I am very excited about the story that I'm bringing to you. I had never heard of it before. And when I got into it, the details, I was just like, this is one of the craziest stories that I have ever heard. So I'm really, really excited to break it down for you. Well, let's just jump right in. I'm excited. The The title is kind of intriguing. Yeah, this week we are actually talking about a killer clown. And I know a lot of people out there that are listening have a fear of clowns, whether it's, you know, Pennywise or, you know, maybe it's even Bozo the Clown. I'm not one of those people, but this story is insane. And if you are someone who is afraid of clowns, I think this is probably the first trigger warning that we've ever done. But we're going to talk about them a lot as we go through this episode. So just wanted to give you a fair, fair warning and a heads up. You know, I don't think I'm ever really afraid of clowns. They don't give me the creeps or anything, but I will say that there was a time when it first came out, and I might have said this on the podcast before, I can't remember, but my friend growing up lived in the curve of our street, and at the curve before you got to her house was the um, gutter. Sewer drain? Yeah. And so when that movie came out and we had watched it, I every time I would go to her house, which was like every day, I would literally just like sprint past that because I was terrified. But I've never really ever been afraid of clowns other than that. Hiya, Olivia. You want your boat? <laughs> like, I was so afraid. When that miniseries came out when I was a kid, I remember being so excited for it. And I never read the book. And I, I mean, it was in like 92 or 93. So I was like seven mm-hmm. years old. And I was amped. And I remember it was a two night event and I stayed up with my dad and watched night one. I couldn't wait for night two. I just, (laughs) I loved it immediately. And I still watch it. Like it's on, it's always on like HBO max or something like that, where you can go back and Mm -hmm. watch the original every time. I'm like, Oh, I still love this just as much as I did when I was a little kid. Yeah. Well, we'll see if Pennywise has anything on this uh, killer clown. So why don't you tell us about this? For sure. Well, this week's case takes place over Memorial Day weekend in 1990 as friends and family prepared for holiday gatherings in Wellington, Florida. Now, Wellington is a village just west of Palm Beach with a population of roughly 65,000 people. Wellington is also home to an exclusive community called Aero Club, where every resident actually has access to a private airstrip. Is that where John Travolta lives? I'm not sure, but when I was going through, I was like, you have to have some serious money to live here because that means that every resident can fly in and out of their neighborhood whenever they want to. Yeah, that's insane. Now, nestled inside this upscale neighborhood was the home of Mike and Marlene Warren. On Saturday, May 26th, 40-year-old Marlene was home having breakfast with her 20-year-old son, Joseph Ahrens. Also in the home were three of Joseph's friends, Jean and Wendell Pratt and Mindy Perez. Now, Marlene was a successful businesswoman who had worked hard for the things that she had. 
She owned several rental properties, a used car rental business, and she also worked as a cargo ship inspector. But that success was not without challenges throughout her life. Marlene married her first husband when she was just a teenager. By the time that she was 20, her marriage had ended and she had two sons, Joseph and John. Later, Marlene would marry her second husband, Mike Warren. Mike ran the couple's rental car company and for a while, things were good. But Marlene's world was shattered when her son, John, was killed in a car accident in the fall of 1988. She had tried to be strong and make it through the days for the sake of her son, Joseph, but her relationship with Mike was deteriorating. Now, on this Saturday, Marlene was enjoying breakfast with her son and his friends. At about 10.45 a.m., a white Chrysler LeBaron pulled into the driveway. Shortly after, there was a knock at the door. Marlene excused herself and went to see who was there. When she opened the door, she was immediately surprised. There in front of her was a clown wearing an orange wig. Their face was painted white and they were sporting a red nose. And in the clown's hands were two balloons, One was shaped like a heart and read, you're the greatest. The other depicted Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The clown also carried red and white carnations arranged in a basket. Both the flowers and balloons were presented to Marlene. From the table, her son Joseph heard his mother say, oh, how nice. But it was almost immediately followed by a loud bang. Joseph ran to the door to find his mother motionless on the ground, covered in blood. She had been shot in the face. While there with his mother, Joseph looked into the clown's deep brown eyes. The clown then turned, walked back to the Chrysler, and drove off. Now a neighbor was out walking and heard what he thought was a construction-grade nail gun being fired. But then he noticed a teen running from Marlene Warren's home yelling, They shot Joey's mom! 911 was called and Marlene was rushed to the hospital. But sadly, Marlene Warren would die from her injuries two days later. So before we go any further, I just wanted to kind of stop, pick your brain on this, see how you're feeling out the gate. Because as I was researching, there were so many thoughts going through my head. Like I'm just at home, I'm making pancakes, I'm hanging out with my kid. And then there's a clown at the door and then there's a gun in my face. Like it's just such a strange series of events. Well, my first question is, how can someone get into this community? Like you would think there would be like top notch security, given that people can fly planes coming and going. And it seems pretty ritzy um, to have a private airstrip. So I'm just kind of confused as to how this clown got in. And then why is he going after this woman, Marlene? Yeah. And those were some of the exact same questions that I had. And my thoughts were like, well, maybe they knew somebody else in the neighborhood or maybe they were camped out, like waiting for one person to come out of like a private gate. And then they just drove in real quick. You know, I don't, I don't know. But as I was going through, I was like, man, I know I would imagine like, oh, like somebody sent me a telegram or like a edible arrangement or something like this is like a gift or something from someone. And then to have something so horrific happen to you in front of your children or your son, I mean, it was just like mind boggling to me. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see why this person is after Marlene and who is this person dressed up as a clown? Yeah, well, police immediately began a homicide investigation. Now, as in many cases, they first looked into Marlene's husband, Mike. Detectives had learned that the pair were having marital issues and may have potentially been discussing a divorce. Now, in most cases where a wife is murdered, the police usually tend to look at the husband first. But when questioned about his whereabouts at the time of the shooting, Mike shared that he was on his way to a Miami racetrack with friends. His alibi checked out and police began looking for other leads. As they continued to work the case, one question burned in their minds. Who was wearing the clown costume? Then they got a lead. 
Shortly after the murder of Marlene Warren, authorities received a tip from an anonymous caller. This caller told police that they needed to revisit Mike and to look into a 27-year-old woman named Sheila King. Now, at this point, police were working any and all leads to try to find Marlene's killer. They learned that Sheila worked for Mike Warren as a repossession agent at the car rental business, but they also learned that it was rumored that Mike and Sheila were having an affair. In fact, several witnesses provided official statements about the two's relationship. Additionally, Marlene's parents told police that she had confided in them about their marital problems and that she believed Mike was fooling around. Because of this, rumors began to swirl. Was it possible that Mike would have Marlene killed so he didn't lose any of their assets in a divorce? But the police were stuck. Mike Warren had a confirmed alibi, and they knew they needed to take a harder look at this Sheila person. But before they could, they would need to know more. Within days of the shooting, police were able to track down the exact store that the balloons and flowers had been purchased from. It was a public supermarket only about a mile away from Marlene Warren's home. And according to staff, they recalled a woman buying them roughly two hours before the shooting. They described the woman as having long brown hair tied in a ponytail. The store employees also stated that she had what they called male mannerisms. Police also learned that the clown costume had been purchased at a local shop called Spotlight Costume. Employees there told police that two days before the shooting, a tall, thin woman, again with long brown hair, had come in. The woman also told employees that she needed enough white makeup to cover her entire face. Then, the police caught another break. The white Chrysler LeBaron that the clown was driving was located in a Winn-Dixie parking lot in West Palm Springs. This was only about eight miles from Marlene Warren's home. And while searching the vehicle, police found orange fibers on the floor that resembled the same kind that would be found in a wig. Additionally, several strands of brown human hair were located in the vehicle. With all of the new evidence and information, police were able to obtain a search warrant for the apartment of Sheila Keene. While investigating her residence, orange fibers were found on her clothing. They seemed to match the fibers that were found in the car. Police also found a pair of black lace-up shoes that matched the information provided by eyewitnesses, and the same orange fibers were found on the soles of those shoes. Additionally, the same color fibers were found on a ribbon attached to the balloons left at the Warrens' home. Now, in 1990, DNA testing was available but was not nearly as advanced as it is today. Police believed Sheila to be the killer, but with only circumstantial evidence, an arrest was never made and the case went cold. So I want to stop right there. So the cops have found there's these orange fibers in this car. These same orange fibers are in your house. Like it definitely seems like you went full Bozo the Clown, but we don't have enough to tie you. And I was thinking about it like as I feel like a police officer would. And I would be so angry if I was like, I know that this is the, this is the person. I can't do anything about it. I don't understand why they don't think they have enough evidence. Like they probably couldn't charge her for murder, but they could like at least, you know, put her with things that were found on the crime scene. I don't understand how that's not enough to arrest her. Yeah. And part of me wondered if it was that they didn't have a problem arresting her, but it would be the issue of like taking her to court and getting the charges to stick because it is circumstantial, right? Like, right. Could she have owned a wig for Halloween like the year before or something like that? Like it just didn't seem like those fibers were enough. But as you're going through, you're just like, man, it really feels like it is. You know what I mean? It quacks like a duck. It looks like a duck. It's probably a duck. That's right. Now, detectives never stopped working on the case. At one point, they even investigated a, quote, clown coven in Green Acres, Florida. 
and I tried to find some information on what exactly a clown coven was and I couldn't find anything. The only thing that came to mind is, do you remember a couple of years ago when there was all those like random clown sightings? Yeah. Where people just be driving down like a dark road and there'd just be like a random clown. clown. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know if it was something like that, but I was like, I want to know more about this and I couldn't find anything. I was really bummed out. Police also investigated a sunken car that they believed to have the murder weapon and clown costume in it. But when they were able to locate it in search, they had no luck. Mike Warren was never charged with anything to do with the murder. However, after the case went cold, he was charged in a separate case of racketeering and odometer tampering. And that made me think of, I don't know if you've ever seen Matilda, the one with Danny DeVito, where he's like, we used to have to crank these numbers back by hand, but now we can use a drill. So it was like, oh, you're a used car con man. Or salesman. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He served three years in prison and was released in 1997. In 2002, Mike Warren and Sheila Keene were married. They moved to Southwest Virginia on the Tennessee border, where the pair opened a restaurant called the Purple Cow in Kingsport, Tennessee. But in 2013, the Florida cold case team would reopen the investigation into the murder of Marlene Warren. DNA testing was now much more advanced and much more accessible. So with the case reopened, police focused on two different types of samples, acrylic fibers and human hairs. Microscopic analysis was done on the orange fibers found in the vehicle, on the soles of the shoes found in Sheila's apartment, and on the ribbon of the balloons. All three were an identical match but police still had to test the human hair that was found. Again, a microscopic analysis was done and the police got yet another match. The hair found in the vehicle was a perfect match to Sheila Keene, or she was now known Sheila Keene Warren. Police also revisited the cold case files from Marlene Warren's murder. They had statements from the public's and costume shop employees, but something else stood out. One of the employees of the Warren's rental car company, a bargain motors told police about an incident that happened roughly 45 days before Marlene's murder. A couple mistakenly called the company about returning a rental car. That car was a white Chrysler LeBaron. The couple thought that they had called a different rental car company called pay less car rentals. The company they had actually rented from. According to the employee, Mike Warren told them to leave the keys in the visor and the car would be picked up. The employee told police that he drove Mike Warren and Sheila Keene to pay less rentals and he observed the pair getting into the vehicle. They then drove away. The employee said that he was told never to mention the incident to anyone. Because of this, police believed that they would be able to prove to a jury that Sheila had access to the vehicle at the time of the murder. And in 2017, 27 years after the murder of Marlene Warren, Sheila Keene Warren was arrested in Virginia and charged with first degree murder. She was arrested only about a mile away from the home that she shared with her husband, Mike Warren. Now, Sheila's trial was originally set to begin on September 8th of 2021, but before the trial could start, her defense attorneys requested the trial be delayed. They claim that because the crime took place almost 30 years ago, they would need more time to prepare. Judge Scott Suskauer granted the motion and the defense was given more time to prepare. Also, COVID-19 and a global pandemic would further delay the trial and the gathering of evidence. The defense also requested that Sheila Keene Warren be released on bond and set on house arrest while awaiting trial. They argued that the evidence presented by the prosecution was in fact all circumstantial and that Sheila was not a flight risk. However, the same judge denied the request. 
He did acknowledge that a good portion of the evidence was circumstantial, but went on to say that circumstantial evidence is sufficient if it can exclude a defendant's responsible hypothesis of evidence. The judge also pointed to the amount of evidence against Sheila Keen Warren and stated that she did in fact have enough assets to be a potential flight risk. Sheila's trial was then set for March 8th of 2022, but it would again be postponed at least seven more times. Her defense attorneys argued that the DNA evidence could potentially be tainted, and they have also told the judge that they were having a hard time contacting any of the original witnesses. As of January 12th, 2023, Sheila Keen Warren's trial is set to begin on May 12th of this year. She has been behind bars since her 2017 arrest and has entered a plea of not guilty. Now, what is really interesting is in 1991, Florida attorney Christopher DeSantis came forward to share details about an alleged disturbing conversation that he had had with Mike Warren. DeSantis had represented one of Marlene's sons in an assault case in 1986. He recalled walking out of a courtroom when Mike Warren asked him a very bizarre question. If a husband were to kill his wife, what would happen to her estate? DeSantis told police, my first impression was, is this guy nuts? Because why would you ask that question with your wife there? Then I look around and his wife wasn't there. DeSantis recalled thinking that it was a hypothetical, like a law school question. And he told Warren that Florida law was peculiar. It really isn't an issue of whether a man kills his wife. The question is whether the man is convicted of murdering his wife, because if he's convicted of murdering his wife, he wouldn't inherit. But if he were convicted of a lower charge, he would. Not only that, DeSantis added, but if he had a friend who did it and they couldn't tie him as an accessory to the friend, he'd get away scot-free. Again, Sheila Keen Warren's trial is set for May of this year, and she is innocent until proven guilty. But Olivia, as we've gone through the story, I don't know if you agree with me, but it definitely sounds like she has motive. There's enough, at least circumstantial evidence. I mean, just going through, if I was on the jury, I would be inclined to believe that this woman definitely murdered Marlene Warren and is, in fact, the killer clown. So what are you thinking? Where's your head at? Tell me what you think of the case. I mean, police should just be lucky that she didn't kill anybody else in the 27 years that she was a free woman. I thought when I was first hearing about it, my first question was like, why isn't that enough evidence, circumstantial or not? Like they could do some more investigating and some more digging and they probably would have found out all the things that they needed to to know, you know? So I hate that this case went cold for so long, but I mean, DNA flat out makes her seem like she's pretty leaning more towards the guilty side. But again, you know, she is just an innocent woman because she hasn't gone to court. But I mean, I think there's enough evidence and I'm interested to see how this all pans out if it ever makes it to court, you know? Yeah. And as I was going through it, I was thinking was that Mike Warren got all of his wife's assets, you know, the businesses, all of the the money that she had because he was never actually charged with a crime or anything like that in relation to her death. And so my question going through it was like, yeah, I mean, I guess she never would have really had to have killed again, right? Because right. now they have all this money, they have all this means. I mean, they were living in a place where you could literally be like, I'm going out in the driveway to fly off in my private plane. You know what I mean? Right, right. This just seems like such a crazy crime for such a high class society, you know? Uh, it's crazy. But I mean, people do weird things for love. Yeah. And money and money know. and possessions and, you know, all the assets that she had. That's crazy. This was definitely a wild story. 
Yeah, and this is a little bit different than the ones that I usually do because normally, yeah. you know, the cases that we go through, they've gone to trial, like someone has been found guilty of these crimes. But this case was just so crazy. And the fact that she was arrested in 2017 and she is still waiting for her trial. I mean, that's what, six years now? Yeah, that is six years. That's just crazy to think that like it's taking this long for them to find justice. And I can imagine being part of Marlene's family and just being like, took you 27 years to arrest her. And I'm having to wait another six years. You know, we're at 33 years now since mm-hmm. it happened. And there still hasn't been a trial. I don't know. It was a crazy story. And I was just like, man, I, again, just kind of thinking of like my doorbell ringing and being like, Oh, who's at the door? Oh, it's a clown. It's a clown. How funny. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And then your and then your kids witness it. That's the scary thing. Like I wonder whatever came of their children. They watched their mother get shot in the face by a clown to their father hired to have killed. Yeah. And in the research, there are some articles where, you know, Joseph was basically just saying like, Hey, you know, I'm just ready for this trial. You know what I mean? And I'm sure when something like that happens, like the police keep you in the loop. So I'm sure for years he's been like, you gonna arrest her, you know? And again, Mm -hmm. innocent until proven guilty. But if I was on this jury, I know how I'd be voting, you know? So yeah, me too. I mean, I think there's enough evidence to, to do what they need to do. (laughs) Yeah. And especially the fact that they're married now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like guilty, but it's all speculation. Yep. A hundred percent, but. Well, this was a good one. This was a cool story. I mean, not cool that someone died, but like the whole concept of it. Like, I'm like, how did this person, how did this clown get into this neighborhood? Well, and you have to think if it was the mistress of somebody who lived there, you know, if there's a gate code or something like that Mm -hmm. that you need to get in, it would probably have access. And if this guy did in fact, like manage to get this woman to do this and then was like, oh yeah, I was on my way to a racetrack with like six of my buddies. Like, couldn't have been me. Yeah, I'm gone. Like he knew. He had to have known. Speculation, because he hasn't been charged with anything. But as somebody who is kind of working through the case, well, it's like, yeah, you were arrested for odometer fraud. There is something in your nature that is like, I'm less than honest. So I don't know. I just thought it was very, very interesting. And I did want to ask you this. I mean, again, I know we usually try to put ourselves in the shoes of the victims or, you know, what we would do in the situation. But when it comes to the deadbolt test, like, where is this one landing for you? I mean, this one is like a pinpointed, there is a true person that they are after. So I think I'm just going to put it at about a a three. You know, I'm not afraid. But I think if a random clown showed up at my door with two balloons and some carnations, first off, I don't think I might open the door. (laughs) But I mean, that as a, if this was a random act of violence, like I would be terrified. I would now be 100% afraid of clowns. But I think since, you know, they all kind of had their scheme going on, you know, I put it at a three. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to put this about a six because I would imagine that for Marlene, it was completely random. You know what I mean? Like in that moment, like you don't know what's going on. And not that I, you know, think that my wife is out there looking for people to kill me. (laughs) You know what I mean? But just the idea of like my doorbell rings and it's something that looks safe and looks harmless and is associated with kids and balloon animals and, you know, birthday parties and stuff like that. And then that ends up being the last face that I see. Like that is pretty terrifying to me. You know what I mean? So right, right. 
you know, I'm not worried about it happening to me, but I still think that the, the idea of like, oh, I know what I'll do to disguise myself. I'll dress up like a clown. I would also like to see like, if there was like, I mean, I don't think back in 1990, they had like cameras outside the neighborhoods, but it would almost be interesting if this was like modern day, like to see if she drove in, like just in her clown costume, but not had her wig and her face painted yet. And then, you know, they recognized her because, you know, she was the mistress of someone in the neighborhood. And then came in, parked the car, put her makeup on, put the wig on, and then went. Like, I'm interested to see how, like, what, how all that went down. Like, there's no way she just drove in driving like a clown. Like, people would recognize a clown driving down the road, right? Yeah. And, I mean, from everything that I read in the research, it does sound like she went to public, she got the balloons, then she, like, got dressed as a clown and then drove into the neighborhood. And wild. I don't know. Again, you know, back in the 90s, you know, I don't know if maybe that would have been a little more unsuspecting than it is now. I just think of like singing telegrams or like, you know, your husband did this for you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So it's just that, like, like I said, it's that my doorbell rings and it seems like it's something completely innocuous, something completely unthreatening. And then it ends up being the rattlesnake that bites it. You know what I mean? It's just that's the scary part for me. But well, it was a good one. It was definitely interesting. Yeah, and come May, as long as her trial isn't pushed back another seven times, we can definitely do an update on it. Oh, for sure. This definitely needs to be a short on time. Yeah, but I was just like, man, this story is really, really interesting. And like I said, I didn't know about it. And so I didn't know if you know maybe any of our listeners knew about it. So I thought it might be worth kind of exploring and diving into. Yeah, well, it was a good one. Well, that is where we land on this week's deadbolt test. Olivia's putting this at a three. I'm coming in at a six, but we want to know where does Sheila Keen Warren, the killer clown, fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you are not in our Facebook group, come hang out with us. It's the best place on the internet. I know I talk about this a lot, but it's still that place for me on the internet where everybody is nice to each other. You know, and people are sharing articles and have you heard about this and talking about stuff that's happened in their hometown. And it's just really cool to be part of a community and it's still growing. It's so much fun to get those requests to join the group and we've got new members and stuff like that. It's just every time somebody joins, I'm like, yes, we're growing. I love it. So come hang out with us. We would absolutely love to have you. Olivia, this case had me twisted up like a balloon animal. I need to wash the taste out of my mouth. Give me something good. Do you have a five-star review for us? I do, but you're so punny. (laughs) Thank you. I almost said wash it out with seltzer water. (laughs) You guys, you know, the clowns, (laughs) but anyway, you got a five-star review for us. I do. This week's five-star review comes from Zane JT. And I'll let the listeners know that I had to say that about five times. But anyway, Zane said, I was introduced to the show doing research while my wife was watching MAFs. And I stumbled across this show. I gave it a try because I liked Olivia's personality on the show. And it quickly became one of my favorite podcasts. It's not too in-depth to where it takes hours on a subject, but instead gives you just enough to know what you need to know on every case. The hosts pick cases that are not well-known, so they are almost always new to me. And like everyone says their chemistry is good and the show feels organic i look forward to the backlog of episodes i'll have after this next deployment well zane jt thank you for leaving us a five-star review and i hope that you are not deployed overseas and if you are i hope that you are being safe right now yes zane thank you so much for taking the time to check out the show and we're so happy that you like it and i do have to agree with you i watched married at first sight too i found olivia to be very kind very charming. That's why Here we're doing we this podcast, right? Here we are. 
just thank you so much for taking the time to leave us that review and sincerely hope that if you are currently on deployment, you are being safe. Just know that, you know, we appreciate your service and we're thinking about you and just hope that, you know, again, wherever you are, it's not too long and then you're back with friends and family. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for everything that you do for our, our country and for keeping us safe. If you are home or if you are somewhere where you can listen to this, we would love to send you some stuff. Feel free to reach out to us again. Instagram, check the locks pod, Twitter, check the locks. If you're in the Facebook group, reach out and let us know. Just tell us where to send it. We would love to get you some stuff. And if you are not a social person, that's totally cool. Head over to checklockspod.com. You can click the email button. Send us an email. Let us know that it's you. And again, we would love to get you some stickers some buttons, some cool stuff just, you know, for taking the time to listen and more importantly for your service. We, again, just really, really appreciate it. Zane might need a murder court shirt. Yeah, maybe. So you really got to let us know who you are, Zane. Yeah, let us know so we can get you something cool. And while you're at checkthelockspod.com, click that microphone button and leave us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you, hear what you think of the show, what your favorite case was. If you have any details to add, we would absolutely love to hear them. And you all know Olivia's favorite part of doing this podcast is getting voicemails. I need a voicemail because I don't think you have one for me this week. This week, I do not. So we would love to have one for next week. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks and helping us to keep the lights on, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. We have a lot of great tiers, a lot of great benefits, t-shirts, stickers, coffee mugs, all stuff that you can only get from being a patron. So if you are able to financially support us, we appreciate it more than you know. And if you cannot financially support the show, we definitely understand listening, hanging out with us every week. We say this every week, but we mean it. Listening and hanging out with us, sharing the show with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if you're coming, you're checking out the episodes, you're sharing them with the people that you care about. Just know that we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. And again, all we want to do is grow this community. And that really helps us to do that. That is all that we've got for you for this week's episode. Please make sure to subscribe to Check the Locks podcast on your favorite podcast app. We will see you again next week with an all new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Bye.